Welcome to every one of our perspectives from the top community of listeners around the world to Reflections on the Top. And through your support and sharing with friends, we are around the world as Perspectives from the Top now has listeners in 46 countries. Reflections is to help you get the best from the series by me reviewing the key insights from our latest guest, who is Reynold Hoover. Now, Reynold has unique experience in military business and government. He practiced as a lawyer before joining the military, primarily working in bomb disposal. After a number of roles, he commanded the Alabama Army National Guard and served in Iraq and Afghanistan. But he also served in government as chief of staff at FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, served in the CIA as deputy director of public affairs, was special assistant to President George Bush for Homeland Security, and then commanded Northern Strategic Air Command. He's now a partner at Donovan Capital, which invests in aerospace, defence and government service organisations. However, he still finds time to teach future generals at West Point, the United States Officer Training Academy, and serves on the Board of Service Charities. Now, Reynolds is the first guest that we've had who has served full-time in the military and at senior level, as well as in the world of business. This gives him a uniquely broad perspective on what leadership is about and what delivers success in organisations. It was interesting that he, as is typical with someone with military training, immediately identified what he felt were four critical success factors. One, competence at the key aspects of your role. Two, seeing the big picture so that your activity is aligned to strategic objectives. Three, having a strong and diverse team to provide diversity of perspective, which then gives you the confidence to trust others. And four, having the humility to do so. Certainly those last two relate back to the exercise I do with leaders you'll have heard me mention before, the best boss exercise, where I ask leaders what the best boss they had did on a regular basis that made them so special. And that every time I ask that question, these two key factors come out that are that my boss let me get on with things and didn't interfere, and that they showed they trusted me and indeed cared about me as a person. Now, Reynolds' experience was that this trusting creates an emotional power which inspires others. One of the really interesting things that Reynolds mentioned was the effort now being put in by the US military to identify potentially toxic leadership early on before it does any damage. Now, clearly, this is critical in that leadership failures within the military, unlike business, can mean people die. That said, there are also areas of industry that are safety critical where fatalities can occur and have occurred because of leadership failures. Unlike the military, where in most cases leaders are in an organization for many years, commercial organizational turnover means that the identification and prevention of toxic leadership is inherently more difficult. That said, it will be really interesting to see the conclusions of the approach being taken by the US military to see if they could potentially be transferable to the civilian world. Now, the development of leadership is fundamentally different between the military and non-military worlds. So perhaps a little explanation for listeners who are non-military to understand the military world and vice versa might help. I suppose it can be summed up by quite simply saying that the military recruits on the basis of leadership potential, knowing that they can add technical capability on top, whereas the commercial world recruits on the basis of technical capability and the development of leadership capability at some point in the future. Now, often commercial organizations make the assumption that the previous employer has already developed core leadership capability. 
but the military makes sure that required skills are in place before somebody takes up a role. In the commercial world, they tend to put somebody in a role, realize that their leadership capability might not be up to the level required, and then try to add that capability afterwards. Now, the problem from my perspective is that based on asking leaders from around the world what basic leadership capabilities they have been given, clearly many leaders don't have those basic capabilities, e.g. the ability to delegate effectively in place. Now, that inevitably significantly reduces leadership capability at the most basic level of effective task delivery. My experience clearly indicates that somewhere in the region of 70% of leaders have never been taught how to delegate effectively. Now, that's a frightening figure. However, this is a problem that could be quite easily solved by any organization with something as simple as a two-hour workshop. But organizations repeatedly seem not to recognize that this problem even exists at their own cost. If we take this simple act of delegating and then look at how the military deals with it, the picture is very different. The military cannot function, nor indeed can commercial organizations perform at their best, unless people are delegating effectively and cascading decision-making to the lowest possible level. The first thing that military leaders are taught is not leadership, but these simple, critical skills of prioritization, time management, delegation, communication, and giving feedback. It is only once these are in place, they then move on to the development of inspirational leadership. Reynolds also interestingly reflected on his experience that leaders within the commercial world need to more often let go of the tactical, i.e. the operational, and think about the big picture. And certainly at C-suite level, leaders should be thinking, as Reynolds put it, up and out, not down and in. This linked to his work after leaving the military for Donovan Capital, investing in startup organizations that provide services to military and public sector. Reynolds put it that for a leader, delegation is freedom. But many startup leaders have great difficulty in letting go of that particular baby. That's a point that was also reflected very strongly in Lacanath's assessment that a key factor that he found critical within the context of what made a successful founder. This letting go and thinking more broadly, Reynolds said, was also critical for those at C-suite level, where within the commercial world, he too often saw that leaders were not taking time out to think strategically. He said they should literally block out time in their diaries to think about the future rather than being distracted by the detail, which they, if they had delegated effectively, somebody else would be dealing with. This reflection time was also linked by Reynolds back to leader wellness. Again, another principle from the military that you must take care of yourself to be able to take care of others. So within that sense, what can be seen as work-life balance is also something that is critical to effective leadership, if not life itself. From my perspective, Having compared both the military and commercial world, what Reynolds says is absolutely true, that organizations which pay little attention to enabling leaders to take time out to reflect and to stay well do not operate as effectively those where leaders and indeed employees are given the opportunity and time to reflect and stay healthy. It's simply that if you are expected to work 10-hour days, the time left to eat, 
sleep, exercise, reflect and stay healthy is therefore extremely limited. Again, back to the military comparison where keeping fit is actually part of the weekly work routine. Now, I would argue that this would make sense for organisations to encourage and facilitate its leaders and employees to be able to take an hour a day to reflect and stay healthy. That could be by either ensuring that the length of the working day does not prevent people from doing this after work or enabling it to happen at some point during the day. However, it's something both Reynolds and I believe needs to be done for the good of organisations and their people. It's probably worth mentioning, as Reynolds and I discussed, one other difference between the military and the commercial world, the underlying cultures. Within the military, the culture is and has to be one of we, not me. It's about me as a team member enabling the team to be successful at what it has to do. My interests are secondary to the success of the team. Whereas often in the commercial world, there is a tendency for the culture to be more driven on the principle of me, not we. So this is about the development of my career. And if in the process, the organization benefits, then that's good. However, from everything that both Reynolds and I have seen, from all the evidence of numerous case studies, organizations within the business world that are more operating on the we, not me principle are the ones which tend to perform better quite simply because they are operating as a team, not as a group of self-focused individuals. This was an important element in the work that Reynold now does as a partner in a firm when considering investment into organisations seeking funding. The fact that his team conducts a culture review as well as a financial review before any investment is made that they review attrition rates at middle and lower levels to see if there are signs of any leadership issues. That clearly shows that from an investment perspective, if you are investing in an organization which has potential and leadership cultural issues, you are unlikely to get a good return. Interestingly, from my own experience, I know this to be absolutely true in that during my role as global head of leadership for UBS, a Wall Street share analyst firm quoted our motivating and empowering culture as a specific reason for advising their client to buy U.S. shares. Reynolds also mentioned the power of leadership example, something which the military focuses on particularly strongly, but which the commercial world tends to pay less attention to. As Reynolds said, people see what you do all the time. And from that, they make judgments about you and whether they want to work for you. But what might frighten you a little is that these judgments aren't always a conscious decision either. Our subconscious makes assessments based on hundreds of nonverbal signals, which allows us to sense if another person is positive towards us or not. Now, this doesn't apply only to leaders. It applies to us all. This is powered by the neuroscience. It's the way our brains are wired. That if somebody is being positive with us and they are positive with us, we will probably reciprocate that simple. And that links to our discussion about the power of relationships. The fact that whilst an organization may have an organizational chart which sets out who does what, who works with whom and how all of this is supposed to work, 
It's based on human relationships, which are essentially as emotional as they are rational. But for the leader, what is even more important is the creation of a positive relationship which encourages people to give their best for you. Reynolds emphasised repeatedly how critical that was. Reynolds said that for a leader, it's about not hiding behind email. It's about getting out there and interacting face to face to not only focus on what needs to be done, but also to focus on the people as individuals, to understand them, their hopes, their aspirations, their strengths, their weaknesses, and how you can support them to get their best. But this interestingly then comes back round to the core principles of military leadership. The motto of the British Officer Training Academy, the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst, is serve to lead, which is exactly what successful leaders do for their people. And as Reynolds said, that this doesn't have to be grand gestures or actions. It can be small, regular actions that leaders do day to day to support their people and show they care that build up a reserve of trust, as I call it. Now, the power of small actions also came out in the interview with Emily Chang, who spoke about the notes that she wrote thanking people in her previous roles. She recently discovered that these people who she has now hired in her new CEO role still have those notes she wrote them many years ago. And indeed, Paul Polman, when I interviewed him as chief executive of Unilever, saying that he regularly wrote personal notes to thank and support employees. So never forget, that small gestures to other people can mean a great deal. So what were Reynolds' key pieces of advice for leaders? Here they are, and I would suggest that these are things that all listeners should think about. One, commit to continuous learning to maintain your brain health and enable you to be successful. Two, work on your network to identify people you can learn from. Three, use your network to reach out to someone you haven't spoken to for a long time who could add value to you. And four, get out and see and meet people to build positive working relationships with them. I might add one more, given Reynolds' comments. Take regular time out to reflect and stay healthy. Now, all of us listening can focus on one of these from tomorrow. So pick on one and try and do it. With previous guests and now Reynolds, hopefully you're seeing this pattern of consistent, simple actions you can take to be more successful. Please share these interviews with colleagues who you think would benefit so they can grow and develop with you. And certainly I'll be using these powerful points in my speaking and masterclasses in the future. If you have any thoughts or questions, please contact me on LinkedIn or via email. Don't forget to sign up to Perspectives from the Top. It's free so you don't miss any of the more than 25 great episodes in the future. That's it for now. So onwards and upwards until our next episode.